0: Welcome to the James Quandtall Show, the space where I interview the world's experts and share how you can live your life to the fullest, be present and connect deeply with others, and build the life of your dreams. On today's episode, I had a chance to chat with Rena Friedman-Watts, the founder of Megawatts Productions and host of the podcast, Better Call Daddy. We discussed friendships, how to lean into and embrace your true self, and how to share it with the world, because Rena says, people are going to judge you anyway. We shared many laughs as she explained how she walked right into a job at Jerry Springer, launched her podcast, and when she broke through a mental barrier in a wood board with Tony Robbins, and we discussed her exciting but a bit nerve-wracking upcoming move from Chicago to Texas. We had a lot of fun chatting about podcasting, interviewing, and creating the life of our dreams. So please enjoy our conversation. Okay, so I'm so excited because this is the first time that, We've ever done a back-to-back episode on the James Quandtall show. So I'm just really excited. Just continue the conversations that we were just having, which were so much fun. And now I'm just really excited that you're here. And after listening to your show, it's such a treat.
1: Oh, I am so excited to be here. And we've actually like interviewed a lot of the same people or are friends with the same people, which that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And you know, I didn't actually listen to those episodes. So I'm really excited to go back. I actually didn't know that Robin was on your show. I didn't know James was on your show. And so I have a lot more episodes I got to go find in your back catalog and download and listen to in the next couple of weeks. So I'm really looking forward to that. What wisdom did your dad give to them? I'm curious.
1: It's, you know what? Those were actually so long ago. I think my dad reflected on their stories. I think that might even have been before I like had everybody ask my dad a question that kind of evolved. And sometimes still, you know, if I have just such a long conversation or an in-depth conversation, I, I, sometimes forget to ask, like, do you have a question for my dad? And so then he'll just reflect. Or sometimes people don't have a question for him. And so my dad always just kind of like is the final thought. He's the wrap up of the episode. Like whatever spoke to him through my interview, he will recap through his own experience.
0: So why did you start doing that? Was that your idea the whole time? Like I have never heard anything like that. And truthfully, when I first saw the name of your podcast, I was like, What is this? Like, what am I getting myself into? Like, I'm a little bit nervous. Like, Have you experienced that with other people? Like they were like kind of curious what it was.
1: Oh my God. I interviewed Scott Miller from Franklin Covey. I love Scott. He's been on the show twice. He's an excellent speaker and he has like one of the number one leadership podcasts out there. Oh my God. When I asked him, is there anything you'd like to ask my daddy? He was like that. He's like, I'm not going there. He's like, that totally sounds inappropriate.
0: I'm grateful that I listened to enough of your episodes that I at least knew at one point there was a chance that you would ask a question like that. Now I've been racking my brain, what I would say and I didn't have like something ready. So I'm You probably get that all the time, but that's just so neat. And what like led you to even think of doing that idea? Like has your dad always sort of been there as like a, inspirational voice for you as, as you've been growing up?
1: I literally call him every day, multiple times a day. He just, you know, he's been an entrepreneur his entire career and he has a very close relationship with his parents. His parents were like second parents to me. I mean, they grew up practically walking distance from my house and I heard him calling his parents all the time for advice or yelling at them or, you know, just anything that he was going through. So he's that, yeah, sounding board for me. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of people that don't have that relationship and or could relate to wanting that kind of relationship that I have with my dad. And it's, even as Jerry Springer mentioned, he was like, it's something that can't 100% be replicated. That is a unique relationship. And it's one that I felt like I could bring others into.
0: I grew up and... My parents didn't lean on their parents at all, really. They were within 15 miles of us, basically my entire life before I moved. And I didn't really see them very much. I didn't hear my parents asking them for advice very much. Like I didn't really see that. And the cycle is kind of repeating itself. It's similar in my life and in my home. I don't talk to my parents that much. And I'm not asking them for advice, but I f- feel like I want to. Like how... How are you with raising your kids, keeping that going? Because I think it's so positive and valuable.
1: You know, it's so funny. Not all people or kids, I feel like, want that smothering. Like my dad is a lot like me. Like he is an oversharer. He is emotional. He's type A. Like we are very similar. His mother, she's like my best friend too. Like she's 93. God bless her. Like her and I could talk for two to three hours. My mom is not like that. You know, my oldest son doesn't want to have two hour conversations with me but my daughter does. You know what I mean? So I think some of it is child dependent.
0: So do you think, and and this is just curious, do you think in 15 years you'll have a similar relationship with your son or will you not? Do you think?
1: I think you got to keep trying. It's funny too, because like my husband lived on a mountain in New Mexico for a year and a half and learned how to process and learned how to overshare. And thank God he did that before he married me because I need that you know but like maybe my son will need to like get a job in retail or live on a mountain in New Mexico to learn how to communicate better or maybe he's just in Minecraft generation and they, you know they don't go deep like that right now
0: but you're kind of just modeling cuz you said that your dad and his parents had that type of relationship and you have that type of relationship with your dad so is that like your style of parenting would you say do you just try to model it instead of telling you just show
1: definitely and you know what else is so funny about that like they all call my dad they might not want to they might not want to talk to me but like after they see me spew they call him and spew too
0: oh so your son is going to your dad he does yes well that's great and then that's okay
1: yeah at least that
0: that to me tells me that when he's ready then he'll come to you too
1: Maybe I will say for their he wouldn't want me sharing this, but like they went on their graduation trip and you know, maybe played spin the bottle and he did mention that. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I got a piece, you know.
0: <laughs> well, that's one way to get you like, oh, maybe mom won't uh, be asking me what's going on in my life so much if I tell her things she doesn't want to hear. <laughs> maybe your dad told him that trick.
1: Could be, could be. I mean, hang. I- I want to be that parent that my kids can talk to. And and I think even by having a podcast and, and like sharing bits and pieces, even though he probably doesn't listen to the episodes or whatever, but just all of what I cover and all of the different topics and things that I'm open to learning about, I think that that does plant the seed for having those conversations or them knowing that they can talk to me about all of these crazy things.
0: Do you worry about things that you say when you're having your podcast or when you're on someone else's podcast that... Your kids might hear it and they'll think less of you. Or you just do? You, do you just not worry about that that much?
1: I do sometimes feel like the embarrassing parent or the bad parent or what are they going to think? Yeah, especially because you know we send to religious school or like what are the mommies going to think? But God, we are in such a time of like be your freaking self. You know what I mean? And I want my kids to be able to be themselves. Like they're, the people are going to judge you anyway.
0: That's true. It's just whether they're judging you privately or they're judging you to your face. What what would you which would you rather?
1: Uh to be honest, probably behind my back.
0: <laughs> Truthfully, yeah. Seriously. I just love that you're you're so aware of your needs and your your tendencies. Like were you always aware of that like that you needed that?
1: No, definitely not. Uh I think once you hit like 40 plus <laughs> You really start just like coming into yourself.
0: You think so? Because I've met so many 40 plus olds that are, I feel like are still like not sure who they are. Like, I think that it's uncommon to be like you.
1: Maybe it's entrepreneurship too. Like I have just really just tried, like you were saying, to follow what excites me, follow my curiosity, find what lights me up. And the more you do that, like, the more you experiment with that, you, like, get a new confidence around it, you know? So I love making content. I had worked behind the scenes of other people making content for a long time, and then over this pandemic, I, like, found some cameramen locally that were making content. I collaborated with other podcasters. I found an editor that I could train and, and work alongside. I started working with copywriters. I started... Working with other creatives that could complement my skills, where I could create content in my own way. And then you learn which camera guys you can work with. You learn who's a good interview. You learn which studio feels right. And truthfully, I'm getting ready to move to Texas and I wanna find shared workplaces. I wanna find people with radio shows. I might even heck apply to work at a radio station part time because all my kids are gonna be back in school for the first time in forever you know, and it's not a hundred percent about the money. It's about doing what you love. Right. I could even go take a barista job. I could just this, anything, the sky's the limit. I could go take guitar lessons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of those things that you were talking about that you loved from your childhood. Like as a kid, I was thinking about this during our interview as a kid, I literally would turn on my jam box, my, my tape player put on like Gloria Estefan. And I would sing, one, two, three, four, come on, baby, say you love me, like, and make my parents and my grandparents sit and watch me on the couch. And I would put on performances. And this is before I became jaded to the world of like what other people thought. And I went in and I sang a song off the radio and I auditioned for a youth performing art school and I didn't get in. And that was my first rejection. And my dad was like, oh no, hold up. Like, what are the requirements to get in? And then we found out I needed to sing an art song. I needed to sing in a foreign language. I needed to learn how to read music, you know, all of that. And he was like, I'll get her singing lessons. She'll learn how to read music over the summer. You know, we'll get her piano lessons. And I swallowed my pride and I still loved music and I still wanted to be a part of that. And I re-auditioned and I got in and I took singing lessons and music lessons all through high school to keep up with those Juilliard people. And was that something that I wanted to make a living at? No, but it taught me an appreciation for all of that hard work. It taught me to stick with something. I I loved learning how to sing in foreign languages. I loved the music. I loved collaborating with other people, but you know what? I didn't love singing on stage. I really honestly didn't. But I did love being a part of the production. And so that led me to working in radio in college. And and then I found another love. I was like, ooh, I could just talk to people one-on-one. And then I don't see the audience. And then I can be myself. And then I can feel less judged. And so I thought I wanted to work in radio. But then I, again, I, I got an interview at WGN. I drove up to Chicago, had the stars in my eyes, and I didn't get the job. But on that same trip, I saw that Jerry Springer was looking for interns. And so I... Walked over to NBC tower and I told them I had an interview with the intern coordinator. I got through security and I ended up starting at Jerry Springer two weeks later.
0: (laughs) What gave you the nerve to do that?
1: It felt honestly like an opportunity was just thrown in my lap. Like I was like, okay, this, like pay attention to the things that are like this never happens because if this never happens, it's literally like a gift from God. Like, and I have had so many of those moments where I what are the chances that I saw that flyer? What are the chances that I got a hold of the guy? What are the chances that it was literally like right across the courtyard where I could just walk over there and try?
0: And you had just faced rejection. So what yes. was one more rejection? Yeah,
1: really exactly. I was like, I'm already here. Already gotta know. Might as well try this.
0: But how do you make sure you keep your head up? Because I just feel like it's so difficult see those things that are right in front of you because you're just trying to get through the day so often.
1: That's such a good question. A lot of that truthfully comes from my dad. I think I even called him like after the radio thing and he was like, that'd be cool. You know, he was excited about it. I was excited about it. You know, he was like, go for it. What's so funny too, even about that is that I had another interview coming up. There was another stock exchange that was looking for production assistant in New York. And I was dating a guy at the time and he was like, oh my God, that's way cooler than Springer. he was like, totally. He's like, do not take the Springer. He's like, that's so trashy. He's like, I would never date somebody that like worked at Springer. And I was like, after I interviewed at Springer though, I was like, dude, that sounds like so much fun. And like, I'm behind the scenes and like, just the whole like vibe in the office was like loud and obnoxious and crazy. I was like, that seems like so exciting. And I went to the one in New York and it was like, I don't know. It didn't speak to me in the same way. It was just like more intimidating and busy. And it, like a, New York seemed like way more intimidating. I don't know what it was about like the Jerry Springship, Maybe because I had like watched the show and like my dad worked in the factory and the people that were on Springer kind of reminded me of the people that worked in my dad's factory. It just felt like a more easy fit for me or like I belonged there more or I could relate to those people.
0: It's like raw family dinner. Yeah, like Totally. Just- Chevy Chase Christmas vacation. It's like just that chaos when families come together.
1: I just totally felt like I could understand that environment better than New York. Like, New York just felt like more of a stretch. Like, I'm not New York. I grew up in Kentucky. I grew up with my dad and my grandparents working in a factory. Like, these people felt more relatable to me. And when I went to this like stock exchange, it was like everybody was in suits and nobody was friendly and nobody was like, out there, you know, it was like very buttoned up. It just did not feel like me. Anyway, took the job at Springer and it was like a training ground for everything that I did in my career later, you know. I learned how to book a story. I learned how to talk people into doing crazy things on national television. I was able to like match their energy and I was like, "God, if I can do that, I can do anything." So, what
0: gave you the inclination? It's almost like you went from working behind the scenes and all these icons to wanting to create your own personal brand. Like what made you want to do that? Because that had to be scary for you.
1: Yeah. You know, and the last job that I had prior to doing it was I worked for Kathy Heller, who is a big podcaster and she's really created an empire and, and she's done it. in like at that time in about three years, but I saw that she had created this Facebook community with almost 20,000 people. I saw that she, at the time had around, you know, the same number of followers on Instagram. And I was like, wow, you can like create a Facebook group. You can engage with people. You can find your tribe. And I was helping monitor that of hers. And I was like, hers felt like her brand. Hers felt like the question she wanted to ask. I was like, what if I like do that for me and I don't have to be her anymore? I I felt like I was having to be other people in, you know, in working for other people and in helping them with their marketing. And their community management that I was having to change a part of myself working for them. So I was like, let me create a Facebook group. Let me interview who I want to interview. Like, it's so funny, even having worked for Springer, like I have worked for people that are like, don't put that on your resume. Like say you worked for NBC or, you know, highlight that you worked on a Gary V event or highlight, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like compartmentalizing, you know, different parts of yourself. Like, if you create your own brand, your own show, your own community, you can be all of those things. They may seem disjointed, but you can present them all at least. Has that
0: been difficult? Because like I mentioned to you, that's something I struggle with. I almost feel like I have all these different people within me and I really do compartmentalize these interests. And like I almost like I wear these clothes around these people and this around this. It It's like, who am I actually? Like Who's the me that... All these things are like, how did you find
1: that? Oh, God. It's, it's still, it's still a work in progress, but yes, I, I sometimes I'm like, I mean, this is really funny, but you know, I'm a part of a religious Jewish community and, you know, in the community, I wear skirts and then drive out of the community and go to CrossFit and put my pants on, you know, like, that feels majorly hypocritical, or you have to dress a certain way to pick up your kids. And I, I want to show up in my yoga pants, you know? So I'm like, maybe this community isn't a fit for me, you know what I mean? Like, or I've just even had people say like, oh, it's so exterior. It's just so like, I feel like people just concentrate on the exterior so much.
0: I think what you said (laughs) about you're going to get judged anyway. So like, why just not be you is that's the secret. Like, you're going to get judged whether you fit in or whether you don't. So if you don't fit in, and that's who you are, then cool. Like, just don't it's a lot less effort. Like, doesn't it? take up a lot of effort to like keep track of all these different parts of you differently.
1: It really truthfully is so freeing. The more you can just be yourself and the more you can just get in flow with the opportunities that come your way. Like, does this excite me? Does this feel good? Do I like this opportunity? Like if you can just sit with that you'll be so much happier. And the more opportunities that come your way and the more that you sit with those things, you got to leave room for it. You have to leave room for it. If you're so busy and if you're always trying to like fill up your schedule, then you're going to miss opportunities that could come your way. So like I've had people come my way and like I know that they're kind of not the ideal avatar of who I'm currently loving working with, but I'm still willing to give it a try. If you spend an hour on the phone with somebody and you like them, but you don't think they're going to make a good client maybe is there another way that you can help them or refer them to someone else or have them as a podcast guest versus a client right so you can try things experiment sit with it but really like think about what feels good is this bringing excitement is this draining me is this worth my time is this there's so many pieces to that right like is this worth it financially is this worth it spiritually is this worth it with the limited time that i have
0: and you may not know right away. There was a friend of mine, a kind of a loose connection a few years ago, introduced me to another person. They're like, I think you two would really hit it off. And I I kind of looked them up and I was like, no, I don't really think so. And I was like, well, I'll just trust it. I'll get on a phone call. This person blew my mind. Oh, like, now I that. I talk to them all the time and they've helped me grow and they've poured into me so much. And we're like peers and equals and we're working on so many things together. And it's like- Imagine if I would have just like not been open to that opportunity like imagine if you got turned down for that opportunity and you didn't go just storm through the gates at NBC There's so many forks in the road and you can kind of like just because you walked into the NBC didn't mean you had to stay there the rest of your life like you're not you can change
1: I have a couple different responses to that It can also be the flip side though like sometimes somebody can introduce you and There's like ulterior motives, right? So, even though somebody says, like, oh, this person could be awesome, not only do you have to see if that's true, but maybe you have to have more than one conversation. And it's better to have more than one conversation than to get into business with somebody who isn't a good fit.
0: Definitely. (laughs) Cause that you're, you're now I'm thinking of other stories, (laughs) horror stories where my gut said, don't work with this person. And my wallet said, eh, they can't be that bad. One year later, horrible. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. Maybe your gut sometimes is right. So how do you, di- I mean, I know it's just through experience you can discern, but it's it's not easy in the moment, especially if money's involved and you're like, huh, I can get some dollars from this. Like m- maybe my gut instinct's wrong.
1: But you know, too, like sometimes if you like really hit it off with somebody and you're like, oh, that person's like my people. And if they send you someone, like you were saying, then you're like, They go higher up on the priority list because you're like, if I love that person, then chances are I'm going to love that person too. Usually somebody that you love, the first person that they'll introduce you to is usually good. (laughs)
0: That's what I love to do more than anything is just connect people.
1: I love that too. And you can make money doing that.
0: How do you make money doing that? Because I have introduced so many people and with no goal of making money, except like Person A would love person B, and I make the introduction. Like, I ask them both first. I'm like, hey, I think you'd like this person. Here's why. And I tell the other person, and they're like, yeah, let's set it up. And so much has happened from that. And, like, how do you make money doing that, though?
1: Well, I mean, you do a lot of those. And then eventually, somebody will say, hey, like, I love the guests on your podcast. Could you help me get 10 guests for mine? And you're like, yeah, that's a service that I provide.
0: Oh. So your network becomes... You you can actually monetize your connections and in a way that benefits your connection and this person paying you.
1: Yeah. Or I, you know, another way that it's happened for me is like there was somebody who is on my podcast and um she was a great guest and we had a lot of shared connections. And then she was a best selling author and getting ready to write another book. And, you know, she's a very busy woman and she had a lot of accolades that I could leverage. And she said, Hey, like I'm looking for five to seven. Uh, testimonials for my new book. And I know that you're connected to some of those people. Can I pay you to get me those testimonials, right? So continue to build relationships and make those introductions because you never know, like somebody might want one of those later and then you can figure out a fee for that.
0: You've had a couple hundred interviews on your podcast now and I'm coming up on 50 episodes and it's always like, amazing like how did like i found 50 people willing to talk to me for an hour to 90 minutes like what do you think when you look back at some of the guests that you've had like uh, such amazing people with so many gifts and experiences and there's hundreds of them
1: thank you you know it's funny cuz i occasionally do scroll back through and i'm like still talking to that one still talking to that one i'll probably never talk to that one again still talking to that one right i like you am constantly making introductions and like if I introduce one of the people that have been on my show to someone else, like I'll even follow up with them or I'll listen to the podcast of the introduction that I made, or I'll share the podcast of the introduction that, I'll ma- that I've that i made. And I just try to keep the conversations going. And then you'd just be surprised. I mean, I'm sure you know, even from the 50 that you've done, that one conversation leads to another. And, and if one conversation leads to another, like here's an example of that. This one had many, many layers, but like my husband's a part of a nonprofit here in, in Chicago. It's called Concerned Citizens League. And they were interviewing Oscar Stewart, who stopped the synagogue shooting in Poway, the Chabad uh, Poway of California. I had done a live stream with them previously, and they were bringing Oscar in to speak to some Chicago police and some people at at the nonprofit. And they asked if I would then interview Oscar Stort. So there was a kid recently, his name is Eli Erlinger, and he was doing a final end of the year project in 10th grade. And he had heard the Oscar interview that I did. And he was like, I don't feel like that story has gotten enough coverage, you know, with all of the other shootings, the one in Buffalo and the one in Pittsburgh, like the Oscar Stewart shooting really hasn't gotten enough awareness. And I want to do a report on that. And since you've actually interviewed Oscar, I'd like to interview you. I was like, how amazing. And so I then took our interview together that he used for his project. I repurposed it, aired it on my show, sent it to to Eli, sent it to Oscar, sent it to the nonprofit, and then I got to touch all of those people.
0: That's so neat. And it's a gift that not everyone has because we talk about friendship on this podcast a lot. And I'm the kind of friend that if I think of somebody, I send them a quick message. And I'm like, hey, Joe, was thinking about you. Hope you're doing okay. Like, No need even to reply. I just wanted you to you know I'm just grateful for your friendship. And I'll send those kind of pings because if I feel in my heart like I think someone's name, they I wanted them to know I'm available. And so many times it, it's like, hey, I was actually just thinking of you. We need to get on a phone call and chat. Which kind of friend are you generally? Are you the one reaching out or are you getting a lot more people kind of reaching out to you?
1: I I think I do more of the reaching out. And it's interesting that you just brought up friendship because I listened to your episode with Robin Altucher and you guys really talked about that. I loved that episode. It was on friendship and on parenting and on moving. And... Since I loved that episode, I listened to the entire thing. I then shared it from good pods and then James liked it. He noticed it on my Twitter. And then I messaged Robin on Instagram and was like, I loved your episode with James Quandel." And so I was, even though she didn't respond yet, like I I touched her, I touched him. I, you know, got to talk about it again with you, you know? So yeah, like having a podcast, having a platform, keeping up these conversations, it's been so beneficial for me and in my own, uh, growth. One thing that I loved about that episode too, where she talked about friendship was get involved with people who are passionate about things. I loved that. Actually, that's why I'm on LinkedIn. I like to see what people are passionate about, what excites them. Like, is there something about what they're passionate about that maybe I should check out that I haven't learned, right? Like, I love eavesdropping on people's lives, like on LinkedIn lives, Instagram lives, actually how I connected with James. I listened to James and Robin when they were doing those Instagram lives, like all through the pandemic, I literally felt like I knew them. I felt like that was like so therapeutic for me. They were just like having conversations with each other and sharing that on Instagram live every day for months. And, and I started like screenshotting when they were having good moments and sharing those in my feed and at signing them. So I was like, I felt like I was a part of the conversation. And even though I had reached out to James to see if he wanted to collaborate with Kathy Heller, I didn't get a yes there. And I had continued to listen to his podcast and find other ways I could you know, show him that I just loved his interviewing style. And I loved the people that he was talking to and the conversations that he was having that didn't work. And then I, I listened to his IG lives and he shared a couple of those. So I was like, okay, I got his attention there. But then we, um, I connected with Brian Keating and then Brian introduced me to Jay. And then it was honestly how I got James on my podcast took years. But like we were talking about too, like James is already successful. He's like 20 years ahead of both of us. And like, there's probably nothing that I can do to help James other than like just be genuine with him or like be a friend. Right. So I just kind of wanted to thank him for making a difference in my life and like being there. I felt like through the pandemic for me and like giving away so much gold and and so much of what he's learned and, and sharing his his wife and his life and his advice so freely. And I was like, it'd be so cool to have a conversation with him because I actually follow his content. I actually read his books I actually feel like I know him and he granted me that. Is there anything I can do in return? I don't know. But, you know, it it was cool.
0: Hey, sorry to interrupt this excellent conversation with Rena, but this podcast was brought to you by my friends at Ketone Aid. KetoneAid's KE4 Pro Ketone Ester Drink is my go-to fuel for podcasting, flight training, traveling across the globe, and for so much more. It helps me keep my mind clear, maintain my energy, and it doesn't have any of the side effects I get from drinking multiple cups of coffee. It's trusted by Tour de France cyclists, Olympians, the NFL, NHL, NBA, and many other athletes, and it's made in the USA. Grab a bottle on Amazon or ketoneaid.com. That's ketoneaid KE4 check it out. Now back to the show. Do you ever listen to podcasts and it's like your dream guest and they're talking about their book and you can just tell that the interviewer hasn't even read it and doesn't even know anything about them?
1: Yes. And then I wonder, because like before I interviewed James, like I literally read every page of Skip the Line. I think I almost read it like fully twice. And then yes, someone else that I know interviewed him and I could tell that they didn't read a page of it. And I was kind of like, do you think he could tell that like I read it and she didn't or
0: (laughs) 100% you can tell you as a listener you can tell you surely can tell if you're the one being interviewed like the questions when I interview someone who's written a book I do listen to a couple interviews that they've done on other podcasts and that's like we're not going there at all like how do we make a completely unique new conversation just like in the real world like True conversations, you don't really know where they're gonna go. And you mentioned the Robin Altucher show and we talked about friendship for like a half of it. And then we talked about parenting for the other half. And it's just so important to like, just like she said, it was important to surround yourself with people who are passionate, whether it be horseback riding or playing games or podcasting or reading or playing chess or whatever it is. It's just as important to just like follow people's passions in the conversation. Like how much more interesting is that than just talking about, the weather and what other people are doing. And like, what's on the news?
1: She's moved to so many different countries and and she's you know been the vice president of this uh, league. What was the service league or something?
0: Oh, the junior service league.
1: Yeah, the junior service league. I know nothing about that, but I was just like, you know what? That's a
0: Southern thing, I think. And when you move to Texas, I think you'll probably see more of that. Um, at least from what I understand, because we have it here. My wife was in it for two or three years. I think it's definitely more of a Southern thing, um, but it's really neat and it's a chance for people that want to give back their time to kind of spend time with other people who want to do that. And at least where the one my wife was in, they would volunteer together, they would raise money, and then that money would be given to nonprofits that they were volunteering at. And it was a lot of, um, a lot of different types of people. There was stay-at-home moms and there was doctors and there was lawyers and there was nursing home administrators and like a whole different group of women. But what they had in common was it's young adults a lot of time or adults. And it, it's really neat. So you should definitely look it up. But do you feel like friendship is like, do you feel like you have enough friends? Like I you have the podcast, you have all these interviews, but like, what about your personal friends that you're not bringing on your show?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. And I've even been thinking about that because as you move, you're like, I've been here for 10 years, like, who am I wrapping things up with? Who are the last people that I'm seeing before I leave this like major chapter of my life? That just like this pandemic, who has contacted you through it? Who are the people that have kept up with you? Who are you really getting together with? That is all very telling. Right. And so like, yeah, this weekend I'm actually doing one final shoot. I actually did one a couple weeks ago and thought that was going to be my final shoot, but there's this camera guy, um, that I work with, uh, Yanni Yemeni shout out to him that we've just gotten to collaborate on some really fun projects. And he just opened a new studio and my dad's coming in town for uh, my oldest graduation. So he's going to be here. I was like, uh, it'd be really funny to do like It'd be a lot of fun to do some like live daddy reactions in the studio, maybe a new intro, bring some of my favorite guests. So maybe i do some clips with Yanni and like help advertise his business a little. Um, there's a guest that I just interviewed like t- two weeks ago. I was like, hey, you want to meet my dad? We could do like a daddy reaction in person. She was like, yeah. So she's coming. Connie Polk is her name. And I actually met her through this other podcast that I got to produce last year. It was called the Sniff Spotlight Series, Skilled Nursing Facility Series. And she was a great guest on that show that I was the behind the scenes of. And so a lot of the best guests of that show, I recycled and re-interviewed on my show and got to learn their stories a little bit deeper. And since she was local here in Chicago, I actually got to do it in person and how great to like meet somebody over Zoom and then get to meet them in person and then get to have a lunch with them and then get to introduce them to my daddy, you know, like it's just growing those relationships. And then there's this other woman that, you know, um, she runs a physical therapy practice and I met her through my synagogue and her kids are a little bit older than mine. You know, she uh, got married, I guess, 10 years before I did, but she's having us over for our last lunch in town and she's also having over my parents. So that's like getting to know me a little bit more. Um, And it's it's a really nice send off. You know, I, I do think that your close friends, you can probably count on two hands and if you can count them on two hands, you're probably even pretty lucky. I think that most people, I've honestly, I feel like some of my best friends are like the ones that I grew up with that have seen me through all of these chapters and stayed with me. I've got one, you know, that stayed with me that I've known through college. And I have one that I've known since fifth grade from Kentucky. And it doesn't matter the time that's passed. Every time I go home, I'm like, Hey, right.
0: Think about it though, based on what we talked about, about finding your purpose. These friends from that period of your life are the friends you made when you weren't doing what you're doing for the money or for any other reason except being your whole self. So you attracted the people, at at least at that point in your life, who were really loving you for who you were.
1: Oh, that is so good. And you know, this one that's having me over for lunch, Esther, her and I have even talked about this, how people within the community... You know there are some people that you share with, and you overshare with, and you have lunches with, and you're experiencing the same things with, and you give them all this juice, and then they just smile, and they don't share anything back, and you're like, okay, that doesn't feel real
0: for you. And but for some people, that is the friend that they want. Yeah, and, true. But for you, you want it back, so it may it's just not a good fit for you, and it, it, they're a good fit for someone else. And I'm curious, just since you're going to be moving, do you think there is importance in having friends that you see in person frequently? Or do you think we can maintain the same type of a friendship remotely or virtually or on Zoom?
1: Well, I can give you a good example. There's this guy who, um, so before I started podcasting, I was co-hosting a podcast about three and a half years ago called Next Level People. If you want to see some raw arena, you should check that out. I'll just send you one. But, um, I booked, I, I started off on that show because I connected with this guy, Greg Johnson on LinkedIn. Turns out we had the same birthday. We got married the same day. We had the same number of kids in the same order. It was really strange. I was like, okay, that's weird. Right. But cool. And we just, we really connected through online. I actually still haven't even met him. And, you know, I just love the content that he was putting out. And so we, you know, became friends through commenting and through social media and he asked me if I'd be interested in helping him book guests for his podcast. And I was like, there's nothing I love more than doing that. So I was like, yeah. So started off booking him guests. It's the same way I got in with Cappy Heller. I started off booking her some guests as freebies. And then he was like, hey, would you ever want to like co-host? And I'd love to have a female perspective on the show. I was like, yeah. So I ended up doing that. And we did that for a while, but one of the guests that I booked was Adam Posner. And I was like, dude, you have a knack for this. I was like, you should totally have a show. I was like, so that was his first podcast. Now Adam has a podcast. He's had a podcast for two and a half years. He's had huge guests like Gary B and um, Greg Johnson and Adam. They uh, are both recruiters and they have like, Jeremy works for a company, but Adam has his own company. And so the show was originally around the, the recruitment space, but then it just turned into, you know, an interview show and all kinds of guests that he was just interested in. So Adam and I had been friends online for years and then turns out over the pandemic, we were both in Florida. And so, yeah, we ended up meeting in person and it, it, it felt so real. I, I believe that everything happens at the right time. And I guess sometimes you need to work on that relationship, you know, virtually or you know for years even before meeting but think about if you actually met james in person how cool that would feel i think it would just deepen the relationship
0: definitely yeah i think that we need in-person relationships and the physical intimacy and, and proximity but with our world the way it is you can find your tribe where maybe in your local town There isn't people that are doing what you're doing, and there aren't people who have any clue why or how you're doing what you're doing. But you go online, and now there's other people who look like you and sound like you and are doing what you're doing, and they can reassure you and encourage you and and do that. So I am curious, with you moving to Texas, are you putting a lot of thought into that type of setup, like your relationships, like finding a church, that's going to be a whole endeavor starting over. Why are you doing that? I guess is a, is my first question.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons. I think that the pandemic changed a lot of things, but um, one, my husband did get a new and better job there. So that does help and they do pay reload. And so, yeah, one, I think it's going to be kind of an opportunity for him to grow and be challenged and have more of a career trajectory. And I think he needed that. And so (laughs) he just decided to take it. You know, he literally quit his job and said yes to the other one in the same day, which is something he has never done our entire marriage. So I was like, okay, yeah, I guess we're doing that. Um, But as far as what I'm doing, I think for the first time in my life, I'm surrendering a bit. I mean, for the last seven weeks, My husband has been working in Texas and flying back and forth for the weekend, and I've really had to like step more heavily into the mom role, and so I've been taking less clients, even though I've been holding on to a few, Um, and I've been the one waking up the kids. My husband used to drop them before he went to work, and I've been the one waking them up, and the kids have also had to step up to the plate and walk themselves to the- bus stop unless it's raining. And then I slept the baby out of bed, but we've all had to kind of step up to the plate and fill in some gaps. As far as like how I'm getting set up. I mean, we went out there, we checked out four schools in four days. We're still figuring out the, the school piece, but yeah, we did move into a, an area that has three synagogues and I think we'll test them all out and see. That's where we're also going to rent for the first time really in our marriage. Until we figure out what's a good fit school-wise, synagogue-wise, friend-wise, we're going to rent, and that's okay. For a year, we can just all test it out. I mean, yes, we're hoping for the best, and I think it's good to think that it's all going to work out, but if it doesn't, I think this will also teach us that we can find something else and still be good. Luckily, it's not my first time switching schools We did make a very hard transition about three years ago where we were in a religious school that was too religious for us. And we ended up switching to a like more progressive school and it was a transition, but it actually ended up being for the better and they all were happy there. And so I'm hoping, praying, crossing fingers, all the superstitious stuff that, that this is going to be for the best. I do feel like it is kind of God led, you know, like what we were talking about, like pay attention to what doesn't usually happen. Like my husband doesn't usually quit a job and take a job in the same day.
0: And feel good like he probably feels great about it, right? Exactly.
1: So I'm just like, okay, that doesn't happen every day, right? You gotta like take those things that don't happen every day that seem pretty positive, like have the positives outweigh and just go with some risks in life. Right? You were saying if you want to do things non-traditionally, you gotta mix things up. So I'm kind of excited to mix things up. And I've been announcing on podcasts, announcing on social, talking about it, weaving my story there, right? So you'd be surprised how many people are like, oh, I know somebody in Texas. Or, oh, once you get set in in Texas, let me know. Or, you know, are you going to be podcasting in Texas? And like, I'm yes to all of that. And I am just going to entertain all of those comments and see where they go. And I'm excited about that.
0: I think this is going to be an amazing chapter. I have great feelings about what's going to be happening there. And I do sense a little bit of fear of the oh, unknown yeah. from you. Big time. And, like, how do you... How do you still trust? Like, I can feel that there's like a little bit of hesitancy. Like, I don't know what I'm going to uncover, but it sounds to me like some of the best stuff that you've had in your life, you felt that then too.
1: Oh my God. I mean, even this is so crazy. Like there's so many times in my life where I've literally sat on the airplane to like heading to something big that I'm getting ready to do. and I'm like, what in the actual heck? Like, what am I doing? How did I get here? What am I getting ready to do? Like
0: like a, in a grateful way or like a man, can we get the pile to turn this thing around way?
1: In a grateful way. And I have no idea how this is going to turn out way. And what am I going to learn from this kind of way? Yeah, like there was this one event that, okay, so I was working for a financial firm here in Chicago for about a year and a half. And it was my job to reach out to CPAs and financial advisors and create these like steak dinners around selling this life insurance product. And I was really good at the marketing piece and getting people to the party, but I really didn't honestly love the product. I didn't love what I was marketing, but I loved creating the party. And so we were going to do a little bit larger of a scale of one of those. I started off when we were doing like 35 to 50 people, but for the next one, we were shooting for like 75 to a hundred people. So my boss let me actually hire Gary V's event producer and she was going to help us like level it up a little bit. Now, look, I love the kind of events that she's putting on and the content that she does. And I loved getting to work with her, but her creating those events were much different than the financial space and much different than the qualified people that we needed in the room. And honestly, it didn't work out. And my boss ended up getting rid of her. But when I ended up leaving there, she was like, Hey, I know we work well together and I've got this haste and hustle event coming up. Do you want to work on sponsorships with me? I had never done sponsorships, but I was like, I want to work on that event. I want to be at that event. I want to meet people at that event. Yes. And yes. And so she literally sent me like a 10 page Excel sheet with all of the brands and people that she would like to be a part of it. And she was like, go essentially like no script. <laughs> no, here's what to say. No, here's the prices. Just pretty much like see who you can get. See if you can make this work. Call me if you need help. Right. But so much of my, even being a post-production supervisor or being a producer, or Jerry Springer has been like that. It's just like get thrown into the deep end. Right. So I just started reaching out to people on Twitter, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, reaching out to people on the phone, sending emails. And I ended up booking two sponsors. I got Spirit Airlines to give me some tickets. I got a guy on LinkedIn who I was connected with to be a part of the media junket. And I was on my way to to Toronto. And literally I sat on that plane. I was like, I don't know if I'm getting picked up from the airport. I don't know if this, if this sponsor is going to show. I don't know if I'll be able to fulfill what he paid for, you know, but I'm doing it. And it all worked out and it was amazing. And the people that I met, That were part of that event, carried on to other events and carried on to other work that I did. And it was truly amazing.
0: Does that give you confidence when you're jumping into something new, like moving across the country, knowing in the past you've been successful when you've sort of jumped right in? Or are you still just as afraid when you have to do something you've never done before?
1: I'm still afraid. But yes, if you know that you've done hard things and you know that even with Springer, I literally have had all my guests back out the day before a show. The day before the live audience is literally like booked months in advance, okay? I've had no stories the night before a live taping and I have gotten stories on that stage. It always comes together. Like whether you have to rope in people from other teams to help you book it, whether you have to send limos to people's house to bring them to Chicago that day, whether you are not changing outfits and like sleeping in the office, The show must go on.
0: That's amazing. But how does someone tap into that from you? Because I want more of that myself. And I'm sure people listening to this are like, I can barely try a new restaurant, let alone move across the country and not be afraid. Like, what would you give them as advice? What's your daddy advice for them on how to get a little more confidence that everything will work out if they try something new?
1: Oh, that's such a such a good question. I mean, my dad always says to me, as long as I'm alive, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Like find the people that really feel that way about you. Get a pep talk, get a pump up.
0: Are you meaning like find people who believe strongly in you?
1: Yes, you've got to have that. You need
0: a pump up speech. We don't all have your daddy.
1: Right. I would just think about the times where you've knocked it out of the park, where you really didn't think you could. Like, I mean, I went to Tony Robbins this is also one of the best experiences of my life. And, you know, putting your hand through the piece of wood thing.
0: I don't know what that is.
1: Okay. So they gave us all like a piece of wood and you had to like write something on the wood that you wanted to break through. And I said, um, I think it was something along the lines of like not letting other people shake me. Like, I want to be able to keep my cool better. And they, they have like a professional board holder And they like teach and and, yeah, it's crazy. And then they teach you like professionally how to break a board and it's in your hips. It's in how you hit it. It's in not stopping at the board. It's where you hit it in the board. And I literally just listened to that trainer, like intently on everything that he was saying. And I was like, look, I just saw some old lady in front of me do it. I was like, I'm going to give it one good go. Literally, I am going to listen and believe that my hand is going through that board And let me just tell you, I was scared. That board looked thick. I had never done it. I was not trained. I was not 100% sure of myself. But like I said, I was going to give it one good try where I didn't stop at the board. And when my hand went through that thing, I didn't even realize. He had to hold the board back up and show me that it was broken. And I... (laughs) released this guttural scream. Thank God my partner actually videoed it because when I need that pick-me-up, I literally play that video for myself.
0: I want to see that video, so please send me a I hobby. play
1: that for myself when I am not believing that I can do something.
0: So it's possible, even if you don't have someone who encourages you to be your own encourager through what you've been through, because we've all, I mean- In the last two years are testament to it for all of us. Yes, We've all been through so many things and we're still breathing. And if we're still breathing, we're kicking, right?
1: Also push yourself to do something that you don't think you're capable of. You know, I also interviewed this girl who, her name is Lily Brash, and she was literally told that like she wouldn't live past four years old. She's now 22. She's a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. They said she'd never walk she comes from a wealthy family. She could literally just sit in a wheelchair. And this girl has like entered bodybuilding competitions. She got a trainer. They told her she'd never build uh muscle. All of these things that she was told are just so like give up, you know, and she hasn't. And she just got like this crazy ultra endurance marathon trainer, you know, Muay Thai champion guy to like help her climb Camelback Mountain. This chick climbed. I love her, Lily. She climbed like 2,000 feet. Did she make it to the top? No, but hell yeah, she changed her perspective.
0: That's amazing. And that's another way, right? These stories that are being shared on your podcast and in great books of people that overcame adversities, things that I will never have to do. Like, it shouldn't be that hard for me to reach out to someone and say, hey, do you want to come on my show In compare to what some other people have to overcome?
1: She asked me if I'd jump out of a plane with her. I was like, if I'm jumping out of a plane with anybody, I am terrified of heights. It'd be with you, baby.
0: So when are you going to do that?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Because she's probably going to do that climb again, like next summer. But I was like, I'm going to say yes, because that terrifies me. And look, I joined Toastmasters because I am honestly still very afraid to speak in front of large numbers of people. I have taken baby steps to get better at that. I joined Toastmasters. I've given a couple speeches. speeches. Um, I've spoken in front of like 45 people. I've emceed an event with 350. Oh my God. To give an hour speech, that would be just, I literally would have to practice for months and months. I mean, a Ted talk, like I do want to continue to get better at things. And I think by just trying new things, leaning into what you love, my goals are just to get better at what I, I currently love doing.
0: Which is, which is what?
1: I love creating content. I love collaborating with other content creators. I love putting together productions, helping other people you know, tell their story in a meaningful way. I love all of that. And I want to do more and more of that.
0: It sounds like you're living right in your lane of, of purpose. And it sounds like you figured it out. And like, to me, from my perspective, like you're doing exactly what you were meant to do. Like your whole story has been leading you to right where you are. And it's just really cool to see and for you to do it so boldly and like as your whole self and not be hiding. And like, it, it's just really impressive.
1: I'm hiding some stuff, but <laughs> I am, the more that I do it, I am releasing more and more, but we are all hiding stuff, right? Well, you
0: have to, don't you? I mean, you couldn't, tell everyone everything that would be that'd be too much
1: wouldn't you love to have a day where literally you couldn't lie like that liar liar maybe i literally felt like doing that yesterday i was like literally my sister was like hey haven't talked to you in a while i was like yep didn't feel like it
0: Ma- imagine i feel like we'd all be better people if we did that and we, we'd either have a lot of friends or no friends, I would say. but
1: A lot less Christmas cards to send, right?
0: Exactly. Life would be so much easier. So if someone's listening to this and they love what you've got going on and they want to learn more about you and, and, and just support what you've got going on, like what, do, what should we do?
1: Megawattsproductions.com or bettercalldaddy.com. Uh, Megawatts Productions kind of shows some of the events that I've worked on and some of the creative work that I do. Better Call Daddy has the podcast and my email, rena at bettercalldaddy.com. And I am a LinkedIn aholic. So if you need help there or you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Rena Friedman Watts. And it's pretty much that on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and then Twitter is Rena Rena with two E's.
0: So I'll make sure to grab links to all of those spots and put them in the show notes for this episode and I'm looking forward to continuing our conversations because there's a lot I know I can learn from you and I just want more of what you've got so I'm going to try to keep you around so I can get some of it.
1: <laughs> and vice versa, you know, I was actually just talking to my husband about our previous conversation right before we hopped on and I was like, you know, you know, James and I were talking about like maybe you don't need the grandmaster as your mentor, maybe you should just get a mentor that's a couple steps ahead of you. And I actually, I love interviewing people that are at like podcast 300 or podcast 500, but I also love interviewing people that are just starting out. So I can see how they started out different or what has it been like? It's just like, you know, like interviewing people that are 70 and interviewing people who are 15, right? Like, Everybody has a perspective that is different than yours. And I think it's good, actually. And part of my show's theme is to get intergenerational wisdom. I love hiring an intern that's 20 because they can teach me how to do Instagram in a different way or, you know, or TikTok, which I'm also avoiding. And talking to somebody who's 70 or who's 65, like my dad, will tell you, you know what? Your invoices aren't that beautiful. I did all of my business before invoices were even online. So don't get too disgruntled over the beauty of what your invoice looks like. So just the perspective from people that are half your age and people that are double your age is invaluable wisdom and we should all not discount it.
0: Yeah, I had a guest once that was like, write a letter to yourself from 15 years ago, like what yourself would have said at 15 and then write a letter to yourself what your 60-year-old self would tell you right now and look at those and you might be shocked at what you already know within you that you need to be doing. And you just need to tell yourself.
1: It's really true. And I think even that could be helpful for my own children. Like if I wrote that letter to me, but then let them read it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Good point. And I I just really appreciate you coming on the show. And I'm looking forward to our friendship growing. And I just wish you prayer for great luck and joy and success on your move. I know it's going to be great. And you're 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 going to find a great home. And I just can feel that that's going to be a great new adventure for you. And I can't wait to watch what happens as you embark upon. It. Well,
1: I just wanted to tell you that even though you've only done like 50, I think that like, you're totally at my level of like 250. And like some people start like further along. And it's probably because of the mentorship and the 20 years of retail and all of the ways in which you've improved yourself. And so I feel like, I am so glad that you reached out to me and I think there's a lot I can learn from you too.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the James Quandall show. The show notes for this episode and other goodies can be found at quandall.com. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, please subscribe and leave a review. I may end up reading your review live on the next episode subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends about the show is the best way to support me and help the show grow. See you next time.